Did you miss Canty and Carlin? These are the ABCs of me, baby. Sorry. This is how we roll. I feel like we got to have Timmy Trumpet play for every Tuesday show. I feel like that should be our intro every single Tuesday. I man. hate that damn song. I know. I hate it. It gets you fired so, up. And Tuesday you know is such a good day to get you crisped but, off. But you know what? It's not even that I hate it because it's an awful song. I hate it because it's a song that you cannot get out of your head for hours at a clip. Yeah. And that's what bugs me the it most It reminds about me about the Ring of Fire song that the Dallas Cowboys medical staff used to play in the locker rooms during training camp. The damn Ring of Fire in the month of August. That song still plays in my head. Like I had to go on a honeymoon halfway across the world just to get the damn song out of my head. I had to go on safari in southern Africa with lions and cheetahs and leopards jumping out of trees just so I didn't think about the damn Ring of Fire. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We are also on SiriusXM Channel 80 presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up. On the Canty and Carlin call-in line. The Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Jerry Jones, at this point, is just flat-out desperate. And this is... This yeah, is speaking just, of Ring of Fire. It's just... It's, <laughs> it's sad to see. This morning, in case you missed it, Jerry was on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas and was so much more optimistic all of a sudden about the prognosis for Dak Prescott. We... I feel very good after surgery, after listening to the medical people, uh, that uh, Dak has a real chance to uh, be back out there throwing the ball pretty quick. Do you think the timeline is closer to the four-game timeline or, or, or the six to eight? as good as I know how to give, only, as you know, uh, in medical, nobody knows those timelines good. But if we thought he wasn't going to be ready to go for – uh, four games until after four games, we would put him on IR. We're not doing that. So what you're telling me is, with it, this has quickly gone from eight games to four, and I don't buy it for a second. I think this is Jerry Jones praying to God that they could somehow get Dak out there with a less than 100 uh, percent thumb. He is pushing the envelope because this Chris is on the way to crumbling. Not just the season, I think the way the entire team is constructed, it's on the way to crumbling, and he is trying to bail himself out of some bad decisions right now. Well, it might be a little bit of both, big fella. I mean, there could be some of Jerry Jones peddling hope in that soundbite, but it also could be the Cowboys brass acknowledging that if we don't get Dak back sooner than that six- to eight-week initial timeline that was laid out, our season's over anyway. Because we don't have a lot of good options. We don't necessarily know that Cooper Rush can keep our playoff hopes afloat that long. And we don't think that there are any other viable options out there available for trade or guys that are on the street. So I get where Jerry Jones is coming from, and I understand the sentiment of what he's saying. And ultimately, I agree with the conclusion that the Cowboys front office sounds like they're making. I just don't like how they got here, Carlin. I don't like how they got here. I don't like the plan that they laid out this offseason that allowed them to move on from Lyle Collins and Connor Williams. I mean, did you see who was the highest-grade Miami Dolphin in that Patriots game on Sunday? Mm-hmm. It was Connor Williams. Yeah. The free agent signing from the Dallas Cowboys playing center for them. He was the highest-graded Dolphin on the field on Sunday. I have a problem with the way that they got here, the pass protection, the offensive line being so leaky to cause Dak Prescott to ha- have an injury that's ultimately going to affect him the rest of the year. But this is my point. The fact that they got here this way now lends itself 
to having to try to jam the $40 million quarterback back out on the field to somehow try to try to save a season. Chris, let's, let's be fair. It's unsalvageable based on what we've seen. And I know there's overreaction to game one. This is not overreaction to game one. This is a deeply flawed roster across the board, and rushing him back out there does not help anyone. Well, here, let me say this. First of all, I don't know the medical behind it. I don't have the MRIs. I, I don't get the doctor's reports that Dak Prescott has with, with, with his thumb. But what I will say is this. Similar injury that required surgery for Russell Wilson last year. Kept him out three games. Similar injury for Drew Brees a couple of years ago with the New Orleans Saints. Kept him out five games. It's not unreasonable for the Cowboys to think that Dak Prescott can be back within three or four weeks. It's not. Now, is he going to have the same level of effectiveness that he would have had had the injury not taken place? Of course not. This is going to be something that he has to deal with all season long. My only point is, if you don't bring him back sooner, your season's probably over with anyway. So even if he suffers re-injury, what have you lost, Carlin? It's a no-lose proposition. It's not like this is going to be a career-threatening injury. So even if he comes back a little too soon, comes back premature, he's not effective, and God forbid he gets hurt again, I mean, you've lost nothing because your season is over with unless number four can be under center. So I don't have a problem with what the Cowboys are doing. Again, I just have an issue with the way they got here. It's Kenzie and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. That's all fine, but we're here now. And how they got here is a complete mess. We're... 100% in agreement on that, but how we got to where we're going is even worse. Because do me a favor, look at what happens next year with the cap. The Cowboys' cap next year is a disaster. They right now are only $3 million under the cap for next year. We could talk all about restructuring. Oh, they're we getting rid of Ezekiel about, Elliott, though. That's going to peel I, off the cap. I understand. We can talk about creating cap space and all that. This is a team that is headed for implosion. And it is headed there because the general manager in Jerry Jones has not let people do his job, do their jobs. He has tried to make this happen on his watch in every opportunity. The one time that he handed it over to Bill Parcells, things were actually headed in the right direction. And that guy just didn't want to coach all that long. Now he keeps that, That's actually picking. not what happened, though. That's not what happened. Jerry got fat-handed. Bill had it going in the right and direction. And got involved. Jer- Jerry started getting overly exactly. involved. And Bill said, you know what? The hell with this. Well, I don't need why. this. I'm going to go to Miami because they're going to give me carte blanche and you do whatever the hell you want with your team. That's where he hired Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator before he hired Wade Phillips as the damn coach. And it didn't really work out for either one of the coaches. Well, that's the point. Bill wanted to get away from it. Bill wanted to get away from it. Yes. And I don't know how many times you can go through this Before you're willing to acknowledge you're the problem, and here's what I fear. Jerry has reached an age where we are getting down to the nitty-gritty as far as he's concerned. And he wants to win, and he wants to win his way. Those are two different things. He needs to decide which is more important to him. Because if he brings in somebody else or he lets Will Clay or whoever do their jobs, maybe they can fix it. What he's doing is driving this team into the ground. And if you're bringing back Dak Prescott to try to save an all, way too soon to try to save an already remarkably flawed roster, you are asking for long-term trouble. Well, help me understand how bringing Dak Prescott back 
earlier than expected You're, is, is long term trouble. It's not just about that. It's mm. I get it. He can be injured for the year. He can be injured. He re-injures it. He's out for the year. It's no worse than it was before. Okay. Okay. I don't need a guy out there trying to make it happen when I have no offensive line to protect him. When I have subpar receivers and such, I understand I want him to be a force multiplier, but when I put him back out there at less than 100%, there's even less of a chance that he can do that. No, and I understand where you're coming from, and there's probably some logic that would support what you're saying. That That's reasonable. What you're saying, probably there what, is. What you're saying is not unreasonable, but what you're also saying is that this is the end of the road for Mike McCarthy as your head coach. Yeah. This is a wrap. And that their roster is probably going to undergo some significant changes that might not allow you to be a championship contender in 2023. And I don't know that Jerry Jones is willing to accept that He's reality not. That's right the now. Problem. And He's that, not. that may well be the problem. And Carlin, listen, we can outline all of these different scenarios and why the Dallas Cowboys should probably decide to position themselves for a draft pick rather than focus on trying to be competitive this year. But that ain't what they're going to do. That's not what they're going to do. And so I think we, we're better served talking about how the Cowboys could potentially forge an identity that will allow them to be competitive and try to make a playoff push. And to me, that starts with the defensive side of the ball because we've outlined the deficiencies on offense chapter and verse. If they are going to be a playoff contending team, if when we get to the month of December, they're in the playoff mix, it will be because of what the defense is doing in terms of being dominant and holding teams down in terms of the scoreboard much so, much more so than what the offense is capable of doing. Oh, okay, I agree. Their strongest asset is their defense. No Even question. though they got pushed around the other day, I believe that's fixable. They got pushed around, but they only and allowed they, one they touchdown. They also bowed their necks. They only exactly. allowed one touchdown. Yeah. Having said that, I that makes me think of like the Eagles last year, who in the first half of the season offensively were all over the map. Mm. And then they just simplified it and went to, we're going to run the football. In other words, the point was they found a simple answer to a complex problem, and it worked. Is there a simple answer to the Cowboys' complex problem for 2022? I don't believe there is because I don't believe the personnel are in place. Well, here's the thing. If you've got a really, really good defense, to complement that defense, conventional wisdom would say run the hell out of the football. Let's try to run the football because I can promise you those offensive linemen, as bad as they are, they're better going forward than they are going backward. And we've seen that. So run the football. You got Ezekiel Elliott. You got Tony Pollard. See if that can be a one-two punch. See if you can go four yards in a cloud of dust every single play. Maybe utilize some play action, some boots to get guys out on the perimeter for run pass options to protect your offensive line, move the pocket a little bit. But that's going to be how you have to put it together. It's going to be more smoke and mirrors on offense than it is just going to be bludgeoning people with this high-powered passing attack like you did from a year ago. It's not going to look like that. And I think Cowboys fans and people in the building have to accept the reality where where our identity is changing right now, right before our very eyes. It has to. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. So your opportunity to be a part of the Canty and Carlin Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. More on the Cowboys coming up in 45 minutes. Former Cowboys quarterback, also former Patriots quarterback and Chiefs quarterback, Matt Castle will join the show in just a bit. And then 
there is last night. And the debacle that existed in Seattle. That, right after Chris has this from Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus is back in action. Yes, you hear the music. With exciting new premieres like Disney's Pinocchio's, Pixar's Cars on the Road, I'm a personal fan of Rusty, Marvel's Thor, Love and Thunder, Mater. Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi, A Jedi's Return, National Geographic's Epic Adventures of Birdie Gregory, and a new short from The Simpsons, Welcome to the Club. Plus, new episodes and specials like Marvel's She-Hawk, Attorney at Law, and Dancing with the Stars, the pros' most memorable dances. And this month only, get one month of Disney Plus for just $1.99. Offer available now until September 19th, then $7.99 a month. All these and more now streaming. Russell Wilson, the Broncos come in here and come up a point short. Not a happier man right now in America than Pete Carroll. Now what Russell had in mind and what Geno Smith, I'm sure, was dreaming about. Geno sidesteps it. Geno keeps moving. Geno throws. Wide open. Gensley. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Seahawks. On 64. McManus missed it. And the Seahawks are going to win this game. They went with McManus, and that was the decision then that Hackett made, that he trusted McManus's leg more than he trusted Russell Wilson. You can't forget the 12th man. It's great to come out and get a win in front of our fans. They were electric tonight. They showed up all night. We got to get back to work, though, man. That's all we got to do. With two statistics. Since 1961, that's... 60 years now? Kickers on kicks of 64 yards or more are a collective two for 41. Since the beginning of last season, teams that have gone for it on fourth and five convert 48% of the time. And yet, somehow, Nathaniel Hackett decided last night 64 yards was his best option. Fourth and six, for me, during that time, we had been just moving it slightly. Uh, they weren't moving it with big chunks. I think we had just given up a sack right before that. Uh, so wanted to be sure that we took a chance when we had a chance. And I felt confident in, in, in him. Actually, you hadn't given up a sack. You had had a completion to Javante Williams. And here's what really... That made it a manageable fourth yeah, down. Yeah, and here's what really just blew my mind. Everybody's screaming, why isn't he calling timeout? Why isn't he calling timeout? He had decided prior to the previous play that no matter what the yardage was that he got, he was kicking the field goal, and he was going to let that clock run down as much as possible so as not to give the Seahawks a chance. That was the single Dumbest move I have ever seen by a head coach in their debut ever in the National Football League. Big fella, a plan that can't change is a bad plan. And so you might have the idea that you're going to kick the field goal on fourth down, but when you get into a fourth and manageable, and under those circumstances, I would I would construe a fourth and manageable being five yards or less. you got to give Russell Wilson an opportunity to see if he can convert that and make it an easier field goal for Brandon McManus. You just have to. I mean, it's been, what, six years since Brandon McManus made a field goal over 55 yards that was outside or, 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 or not at Mile High Stadium. So think about that. It's been six years since he's done something like that. 
and you're asking him to kick a 64-yard field goal, which is his career long. Now, Brandon McManus and Russell Wilson and all the guys in that Broncos locker room are going to back their new head coach because it's just the first game of the season. But when they get together in private corners in that locker room, you know what they're going to say? Dog, it's hard for us to overcome coaching. It's hard for us to overcome our coach keeping those three timeouts in his pocket and letting the clock run down and burning 40 seconds of game clock and then kicking a 64-yard field goal when we got Russell Wilson, a quarterback that we just paid $250 million to, who we can give an opportunity because he's one of the very best fourth-quarter quarterbacks in National Football League history. Those things don't add up. Those things don't make sense. And I go back to something that Nick Saban said in the art of coaching special that he did with Bill Belichick. He said, good players can't overcome bad coaching. Last night, The Broncos players could not overcome Nathaniel Hackett, and that's a problem. For somebody that's a first-time play caller and a first-time head coach, the moment seemed like it was a little bit too big for him. Now, I'm not saying that he can't learn from it and that he can't turn it around, but this is something that we're going to have to start paying attention to early on in the regular season, whether or not he can fill the shoes of that role. Even the analytics people thought, man, that's stupid. I mean, honestly, there's no viable argument for this. There's none. And that's what blows my mind. And I don't know if it's not understanding the situation, trying to outsmart everybody. I don't know what it is. But you have a guy that you made all those trades, uh, uh, traded away all those picks and handed all that money to. And you're going to let Brandon McManus from 64 decide it. I mean, he was, in essence, coaching that game like Drew Locke was still the quarterback. Ooh. Think about that. He is coaching that moment like Drew Locke is still the quarterback. It actually, if you really think about it, he'd still be getting killed, but a lot more people would be like, eh, okay. I'd rather do that than go for a 64-yard field goal. I don't think anybody would kill him. People might second-guess him, say hindsight, but it's a career long for Brandon McManus. Like That's, that's what you're hinging your hopes on. And I feel like you have a much better chance. Matter of fact, you just outlined the statistics, the probability. He had a much better chance of winning that game if you go for it on fourth and five rather than settle for the field goal. But, Carlin, all of that being said, that ain't why the Broncos lost a damn game. It is not. The Broncos were 0 for 4 in the red zone and only came away with six points on those four trips. That can't happen, including two turnovers inside your own five-yard line. Now, the one with Melvin Gordon... He was trying to stretch the ball across the end line. It was fourth down. I get it. I'm not going to kill him for that one. But the Javante Williams one, that absolutely cannot happen. If you're a running back, you can't allow the play being blown up to dictate your ball security. Now, if you're the offensive line, you can't let Al Woods blow that play up and have the offensive guard in the backfield hitting the running back just as he's getting the ball. But then the other part of that, Carlin, the call getting into the quarterback in the offense with 10 seconds left on the play clock. Yeah, That's a problem, too, because guess what? When the defense sees that play clock click down to one, guess what they know? You got to snap the ball. So why not just get off? It's a free run at the line of scrimmage. You saw everybody from the Seahawks attacking that offensive line, which allowed them to get that push and Javante Williams to be disrupted in terms of the quarterback running back exchange. That can't happen. And again, that goes back to Nathaniel Hackett in that moment after what happened in the last sequence being a little bit, I don't know, nervous to the point where he's getting the play call in a little later than it should. So, again, it's it's his first time as a head coach in a game that actually matters. 
So I give them a little bit of grace, but this is something that they've got to get figured out in Denver, and it's got to happen in a hurry. ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Your opportunity is coming to be a part of the program on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Your take on Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks win last night because there is a flip side to it as well. And is Jerry just being foolhardy right now on trying to rush Dak Prescott back? All of that is on the table for you. And we get the thoughts of Diana Rossini on this very topic on Russ's return to Seattle in just moments. Plus, it's Tuesday, which means... Dear Diana, and we have a couple of questions to come your way for Diana Rossini because she is our collective life coach. Canty and Carlin, just getting rolling on ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Boy, massive news for the Pittsburgh Steelers. In case you didn't catch all of Christine's update there, T.J. Watt did not tear his pec completely and will not need surgery. He is now expected to miss six weeks. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, and on your smart speaker as well, presented by Progressive Insurance. Right now, we welcome in ESPN NFL reporter Diana Rossini. Diana, your reaction to that news, what are you hearing after getting that news that T.J. Watt not done for the year? When did this ever happen? You know, I feel like any time we ever hear about injuries, uh, and, and, you know, we have some great reporters that cover the Steelers very closely. And, you know, most have been saying that there's a little bit of optimism. Those that I spoke to kept giving me a, hey, let's just wait, let's just wait. But wait usually means it's going to be bad news. I, I, I'm not trying to be negative, but that's just how it works. Um, we've all been doing this long enough. So uh, this this is fantastic. Um, but 
you know, I'm I'm in the middle of a text message exchange actually with with a with a fantastic source in Pittsburgh right now who's uh, you know, just basically telling me this would this is gonna be about games, not days. So they're not gonna have to make the move until Saturday about putting him on on IR or not. So right now there's been no decision. They're waiting to hear um but nothing imminent on, on if they make this decision to put TJ Watt on IR. So um, what what great news considering the crappy circumstances in a sense here that their best player um, here is, isn't going to be gone too long. You know, we, we all know if he had that tech surgery, that was it for the year. So th- this is great. Diana, I got to imagine with TJ Watt being out, there's going to be more pressure on the Pittsburgh Steelers offense to produce. And excuse me for saying this, but 64 yards in net offense in the second half of that game just ain't going to be able to get it done. What are you hearing about what they're planning on with the offense and how they feel about the performance by Mitch Trubisky against the Cincinnati Bengals in week one? Yeah, Mitch did just enough, right? I think we all saw that. He didn't throw the ball away. Uh, he didn't blow the doors off. I don't think any of us was watching it going, wow, this is, this is good. Uh, this is tremendous, you know, but it, but it wasn't terrible. Um, so any, uh, I talked to some people yesterday as well with the Steelers organization and, and look, you, you, you can't take away from what their defense is doing. That's obviously the, the best part of their team. We know that. So this offense has to get better. Najee Harris, who we know didn't play in the overtime, um, you know, he's expected to play Tomlin saying, you know, they're going to go day by day here and see it. But, uh, you know, Harris actually just went on, on radio himself to do an interview and said he's good. Um, so obviously the run game has to, is going to be crucial for this team. Um, you know, but, but for what we, uh, for what we expected against this Bengals team and then what we saw, um, I mean, I'm, I'm encouraged, especially I've been, I've been the one hot taking all off season saying you, you, you can't doubt the Steelers ever because you can't because of performances like we just saw. Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL Insider with us. All right, you talked to Lamar the other day uh, after he was playing against the the Jets and the numbers leaked out there about what he turned down. What did he have to say? What were your impressions? Yeah, uh, that it was the first time I've been face-to-face with Lamar since this contract situation, so it was really good to just talk to the player. Uh, you know, you make so many calls on these, stories to try to get information and they've done such a good job of keeping it in house and Lamar was um, very transparent very polite about the situation and and you know let's just preface this by the way it's really awkward to ask people about money you know I don't care what you're doing whether it's football whether it's just like just life it's just it's such a difficult space to be in and uh, I just he, he was kind enough to, to take some time and talk to me after the game after a great win against the Jets at MetLife and you know, I asked him straight up if if the offer that was reported, um, you know, did he did he turn that down? And he said he did. He did turn that down. Um, and when we we got into it a little bit more about guarantees and and other things that that he was offered, um, it, it seemed as if he was he turned down a lot. He turned down a lot. Um, the only question I did not ask him, and it's been bothering me since Sunday is I wish I just said to him, Chris, if they offered you the exact deal of Deshaun, would you have signed? Is that the starting point? Because it seems 
that's, you know, $133 million at signing guaranteed. Um, that's, that's obviously quite different than 200, um, you know, and $50 million guaranteed at Deshaun God. So um, there's quite a difference there. So I, <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that. I believe I'm picking myself um, because I'm, I'm not sure where, what, what's going to get it done, right? Like that, I think we're still in the space of what gets this done. And I did ask him, though, if he plans on playing the entire season. And he goes, we're going to have to see. So that was a little – he opened the door a little. That's interesting. To, yeah, because I just expected him to play. Yeah. He's like, we'll, just, we'll see. And, you know, he, he wasn't being cheeky. He wasn't, like, being cute about any of it. He was being really serious with me. And, and this is obviously something that's very important to him. And, you know, and just talking to the Ravens players as well. They, you know, they all have his back. They're rallying behind him. And I did speak to some uh, some Ravens, we'll call them officials, people that are in on some of these decisions. And, and you know, they're frustrated. They're really frustrated. They thought the number uh, that they offered um, w- was fair. But obviously that's not something Lamar agrees with. Talking with ESPN NFL reporter Diana Rossini on Candy and Carlin. And Diana, real quick, because we're up against it, 30 seconds or less, your impression on one of the one of the biggest upsets in week one, the New York Giants going on the road and beating the Tennessee Titans. I know you got Giants-Panthers this weekend. What was your biggest in- impression takeaway from Big Blue? Hello, New York. You got something fresh and new. I, I-, I don't know if this means we're, you know that th- you're going to the playoffs, but at least this is something different. It feels different. It looks different. Uh, I talked to tons of people on both teams over the last 48 hours getting just kind of reflection on the game and it's it's pretty incredible to see how much more respect the Tennessee Titans have for the New York Giants after just one game compared to perhaps maybe what they had before uh, I'm not saying that they didn't respect it but they were ready for Saquon so they thought and obviously that's not what the case was because they looked very unprepared uh you know against the run and that's going to be a, a big Achilles heel for Tennessee coming up but for New York They've got some life, and let's just see if they can ride this momentum. Diana, we ran up against it, so we will save dear Diana for next week, and we will get it in because i got a couple of good ones for you. Can't wait, guys. Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL reporter, with us. And you can tell you're getting information coming in on the T.J. Watt situation, but that's very interesting with Lamar, that little tidbit there, like, eh, we'll see. We'll see. see if I decide to play the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think I, that's interesting. I, 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 I don't I, see it, but listen, it's nice to throw out there. Yeah, I don't see him bailing out on his teammates, though, Carlin. Because no, this is the guy. This is the guy side. that cares about his locker room. I, I don't. I don't see him doing that and, well, letting, let and letting business get in the way of it. But if it gets away from them, maybe. Uh, I maybe I don't see him going out like that. It was a crazy, crazy Monday night in Seattle, and it wasn't Russell Wilson who stole the show. It's next on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Yo, check this out from Canty and Carlin. I tell you what, this is another one of those movies that we only needed one of. I, that I agree with. <laughs> I didn't need Men in Black 2 or 3. <laughs> or Men in Black International. Yeah. yeah. We could we could have kept them in the hopper. I, yeah, I could have checked out there. Thank you. It's Kenty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I'll tell you what. Geno Nation last night, they had their moment. Yeah. Geno Smith uh, getting Speaking it done. Speaking of sequels. <laughs> uh, is it a sequel? Second, second act, it, third act? Uh, yeah, it's like Whatever. a fifth act. Fifth I mean, act, okay. Uh, but for Geno, he went out there and he played okay, and they had a chance to played win okay. the game. He played okay. He outplayed Russell Wilson. Uh, let's not get nuts. He, he did. played okay. He outplayed Russell Wilson. He had 30 yards passing in the second half. Okay, but he outplayed Russell Wilson. Uh, okay. They won the game barely because the coach took the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. Okay. But I don't want to, I'm not knocking Geno. Geno had a moment. It kind of sounds like you are. No, Geno had a like moment. Sounds like you're trying to shade Geno Smith. Geno had a moment, and he deserves to enjoy that moment. Here he is with Lisa Salters after the game. You're telling me just another game, but I can see the emotion on your face. Did you hear the Geno chants? Oh, no, I love those fans, man. Thank you, Seattle. So for the folks you said had written you off, maybe, what do you say to them? They wrote me off. I ain't right back, though. That's the problem. I ain't right back. Let's go. Look. <laughs> Geno didn't go out there and throw four touchdowns. You know what I mean? It was a, it was a, it, it was a manage-the-game type performance. And I felt good for him. He had a nice moment, but let's not turn this into more than it is because we know where this is headed this year. So enjoy the night, Gino. Good for you. It was not even all that good. Well, it, it, well you, say, you say it wasn't all that good, but I think he did well in terms of playing within himself. He was good in situational football, especially on third downs. He didn't try to do too much. Sure, did he skip a couple of passes in the second half to wide-open receivers? That happened. But overall, I thought he was composed. He made the right decisions. When it came time to use his legs, he did that. And Carlin, he put them in position where they could win a football game. And that's all you're asking Geno Smith to do. If the Seattle Seahawks are going to be competitive, it's not going to be because of Geno Smith by himself. It's going to be because of having DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and having a really good defense and being overly physical. All trademarks of Pete Carroll coach teams. So Geno Smith stepped in, and he did the job last night. And going head-to-head against Russell Wilson in Russ's homecoming, he actually was the better quarterback on the field. He was. Okay, but before the game, in Peter King's Monday morning quarterback, this or not Monday morning quarterback, football morning in America, these are the quotes I can't take. Before the game, before the game, Geno Smith told him recently, it's a movie. It's a script, like right out of a movie. 
I mean, I really put my life into this game. It's an incredible story. Hero gets knocked down. Nobody thinks he'll get back up, and he gets up and gets another shot. When hero? was Geno Smith ever the hero, though? This is my point. He was never the Chris, hero. I mean, n- no. He was always... This is not Russell Crowe from Gladiator. That's not Geno l- Smith. L- let's review for a moment. Geno, at one point, could not figure out time differences when he was with the Jets and ended up in a movie and missing entire meetings the day before a game in San Diego. That was 10 years Gino ago, man. You're not going to let that go? I'm not going to let that go. And I'm not going to. Gino wouldn't pay 600 bucks to IKN and Polly, who is bagging I bet you groceries. he'll pay it now, though. <laughs> I bet you he'll pay it now. Well, he's bagging groceries somewhere, and he gets clocked for it. 600 bucks because Gino didn't show up at the guy's camp when he said that he would. And now he's calling himself a hero, and I'm an incredible story. And that's before what happened last night. So. Was I maybe a little bit influenced by that? Yeah, it's possible. Gino Smith is not, and he, and he says, and one the other thing is when he says, I don't care what anybody says, and you do, because you clap back at people all the time on Twitter. Man, we're all sensitive about it. I mean, you're but fo- don't you're, say you don't care. Well, football is your art, man. It's your passion. You spend most of your, your, your life, you know, working toward becoming the best player that you can for your team and for yourself. So I get why guys take it personally. It's just, well, this is one of those situations where if you're Geno Smith, you enjoy the moment because it was a huge game, the first Monday night game of the season. Russell Wilson coming in and trying to beat a show, and Geno Smith actually stole the show. So I can understand him wanting to enjoy his moment, Press. but he's also got to keep things in the perspective. He said injuries and bad luck just kept happening all at the wrong time. That's what's gone wrong you create in your career? Your, you create your own luck in the league. Yeah, thank you. Are you not entertained? Check out Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.